I'm looking for a map. What exactly kind of people are they? Max Fletcher said, what exactly are you looking for? Well, she said, let me see. You need to be good looking. You need to be polite, human, pretty, knowledgeable, good at singing, dancing, uh, willing to accompany me the whole day at home during my leisure hours. Now that's the right. Be able to tell me interesting stories when I need a continuous conversation. Be silent. comes back, it was and always will be here. If it never returns, it was never yours to begin with. If it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, uses your telephone, takes your money, and never behaves as if you actually set it free in the first place, you either married it or you gave birth to it.
fact, I really believe that we possibly could be living in the most turbulent times of the 21st century. It seems like the whole world is suffering greatly. We've got, we got what's happening in Ukraine, and we need to continue to pray for that country over there. We've got what's happening. I really believe that it's only a matter of time before China uh, invades Taiwan. We've got the whole world. This is happening. And then we've got what's happening at home. Every single one of us are faced with inflation like we like we've never seen. Not only at the gas pumps, not only at the grocery stores, but other places. And, and they're even telling us that now, that by next year, that there's going to be such a shortage of fertilizer that it's going to affect our food. This is what's taking place in the world that we're living in. But the Bible tells us that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, we really believe in what we've always taught here is that Jesus is coming back to get us. That He's coming. And He tells us that over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Again, He tells us to be delivered from Christ. The voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God will go to Christ with our church, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be forever. What we are, and it's what we've taught in this church forever, as long as I've been here, and I guess I've been here 18 years, that is that we believe that we're not going to go through the tribulation. It's called a, the tribulation is called Jacob's trouble. It's for the Jewish people. We're not going through that. But if you'll notice in the last few years, one of the things I've been telling you is every time that I go over and I read Psalms 91, one of the things it says in Psalms 91 it says that a thousand can fall by your side, ten thousand by your right hand. Uh, but then it goes on to say, but it will not come nigh thee. But then it goes on to say, only with your eyes will you see things happen. And so I've tried to say to you that I really believe, while I don't believe we're going to go through the tribulation, because uh, the tribulation, when does the tribulation start? Well, there has to be a treaty that will be signed between Israel and the rest of the world. That's when the seven-year tribulation takes place. But I've always said that I said I really believe that we're going to, while we're not going through it, we're going to see things begin to happen, and we're going to see things happen that are going to get worse and worse and worse. And I believe that's what's fixing to take place. If we as a country were united, then maybe we could at least justify to some degree the problems that we are experiencing. But many of the problems that we're facing could have been avoided because of poor decision-making. Our government was founded to be a government of the people, and today we look more like a dictatorship rather than a democracy. I'm not trying to be political on you. I'm just telling you what I see. The psalmist asked the question in Psalms 11, 3, 4, and here's what we're asking. It says this, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundation, if we look around and we see our country uh, going south on us, what can we do? Here's what we're to remember as His children. It says over in verse 4 of chapter 11, it says, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. In other words, He is still on His throne. And we believe that no one, no thing, nobody can be put into place whatsoever without His sovereignty allowing it to happen. We don't believe that God causes things necessarily to happen that way. But He allows them to happen. I'm talking about bad things. 
but he's still in control. And so the first thing I would say to anybody that's worried about the times that we're living in right now is to understand that God is still on his throne and he's still in control. And just like the Bible says in the book of Galatians, that, it, that in, the, in, the, in, the, in time, God brought forth his first son. In the fullness of time, he brought Jesus in this world. And in the fullness of time, he will do it again when his son comes to get us. So, so we're asking what to do, and then he tells us the answer, but the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold the eyelid of the temple, Son of Man. Jesus told us in Matthew 24, verse 12, and, and he said that the love of many would wax cold. Well, he says there, why will it wax cold? Because lawlessness will abound. Just listen to the morning reports in Lexington, the number of people being shot and murdered over Lexington. Listen to what's happening over in Chicago. There are actually statistics right now that are saying we just experienced one of the worst years in the history of this country with the number of murders, homicides in this country. So lawlessness is literally uh, uh, going crazy. And as a result of that, it has an effect because Christian people that say they know the Lord are looking at these things, and as they look at this thing, as a result of that, their faith and the love of Jesus begins to start diminishing. Because they're looking more on those things than they are what the Lord wants to do. It's the same thing when Jesus, I mean, when Peter was walking on the water, he was walking on the water. He was fine as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. The moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. That's what we're doing. We're taking our eyes off Jesus. The Lord knows what He's doing. He knows what the, the situation is. He knows exactly. They can meet, meet, meet all they want to behind the closed doors at the White House, but God knows exactly what's happening. He sees it. He knows that. Listen, he, and He's ready at any moment, any time to come and give His children. So Jesus basically said the love of many would walk, wax cold, because we got the because of lawlessness, and we're and it's it's not easy times, it's hard times. I understand that, but by the same token, we just need to keep looking with Jesus. Now, he also says in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one and verse three, he says, "Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, our gathering together to Him, we ask you." And he goes on to verse two, not to be too shaken. Don't get worried about things. Not to be troubled, either by spirit of our word or by letter, as if from some some the day of Christ had come. And then he says, verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless a falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. Now, the man of sin is the Antichrist. That's not going to happen until the day of the, of the tribulation. But I'm telling you already, the falling away has started. And as Christian people, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be upset. We shouldn't be surprised. We should be upset, but we shouldn't be surprised at it. That the falling away is already started. He also says over in First Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter four, one and two. He says, "Now the Spirit expressly says, in latter times some will depart from the faith." God knows that because the the, the vice of this world is starting to close. And people see trials and troubles. Many, rather than running to Jesus, which is the answer, they're running away from Him. They're running away from Him. And so as a result of that, it says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. 
get and why are they running? Some are running away from him because they're being deceived. Deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. He goes on uh, and he says, speaking lies of hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What does it mean to have your conscience seared with a hot iron? Well, I used to understand when I did first aid training and all that kind of stuff that there's three types of burns. There's redness, there's blisters, and then there's charred tissue. Charged tissue is when it gets down into the nerves and the bloodstream and it's possibly that no longer can that person feel. And so when it tells us simply that conscience seared with a hot iron, they're no longer feeling. And the Bible says over in, in chapter, uh, in the book of Romans, when it says in chapter 1, that there would come a day that those would have, have a mind that would, a reprobate mind. What does it mean? That we cannot tell the difference of right and wrong. And that's what's happening in the churches that we're in the And you know that right now. You, you know, because there are certain things that we know are absolutely wrong, and we're saying so forward. So, so, so the Lord is telling us here that simply they're going to depart from the faith. There's going to be a falling away. So both in Thessalonians and Timothy, he tells us in the last days there will be many who will depart from the faith. And Jesus said the very same thing. In the last days there's going to be people that are not going to be strong enough to stand and they're going to depart from the faith. Now, if you turn on the news, they'll readily tell you that church attendance is declining. I understand that. I've been doing this all my life. One of three practicing Christians, I hate that word practicing, one of three practicing Christians has stopped attending church. How in the world can you say you're a practicing Christian if you don't do what Jesus told you to do and He said not to forsake the assembly together of yourself? Am I, am I going to heaven because I go to church? No, because that's a work. But He wants me to be here because, and the very reason I'm going to stumble and fall and do all kinds of things and get upset and be depressed and, and not know what to do on all the situations and things in my life because I don't attend. What do you mean, Lee? I, I'm telling you, God will speak to you. People come to me and say, boy, you're a preacher. Man. No, I don't preach at anybody. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's not me. You know, I don't know what's going on in your life. And so, how can you say you're a practicing Christian when you don't do what Jesus said to do? And not to forsake the assembling of yourself. Now, in 2021, 31% of Americans never attended church. Only 22% attended every week. So we know there's a falling away. There's a, there's a departing from the faith. Because people have gotten their eyes off Jesus and are looking at other things. Well, let's face it, in many cultures, even to some degree in the United States, there are entities that that's exactly what they want. I think some of these news organizations, when they when they simply say the decline in church attendance and this kind of thing that's happening, when they say that, when they say that, I think really they say it with a glee in their voice. Because let me tell you something, we're living in a world today that hates this book. And the reason they hate this book is because this is the last vestige of simply, of absolute truth. Absolute truth. And they don't want absolute truth. They want us to live in a world of relativism, which every man does what is right in his own eyes. That's what they want. So this morning I want to talk about why falling away is happening. And second, I want to talk about how this affects you and I. So why is this happening? Here's the first thing. 
we're, we're quickly becoming. I know Barack Obama one time said that we weren't a Christian nation. I don't know where he went to school, but he didn't read some history book that I didn't read. But the whole point of what I'm trying to say is we're quickly becoming a godless nation. David Reagan said this. He said, I understand from the study from God's Word that when a nation God has blessed, and He has blessed us, turns against Him, He responds with corrective judgment designed to call that nation to repentance. And when such a nation responds by intensifying its rebellion, God will step back, lower His hedge of protection around that nation, allowing evil to multiply, ultimately leading to that nation's destruction. Peter Marshall, the great Scottish preacher in the chapter of the U.S. Senate, once said this. He says, May it ever be understood that our liberty is under God and can be found nowhere else. We're born in that way as the only nation on earth that came into being for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That's what Peter Marshall said. But over and over again, the problem is we have forgotten God. Alexandra Sosimishkin, I'm pronouncing his last name terribly, the Christian apologist who spent years in Russian prison declared that all the horrors of Russia under communists were due to the fact that Russian people had forgotten God. And he pointed out this. He said that our nation, the United States of America, was on the same track that Russia was on. So why are people turning away? tell you why they're turning away. Number one, they're turning away in this way. Because churches are not preaching the gospel. They're not preaching the word. It is the gospel that changes a man or woman. It is this book that changes them. It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that comes into life that changes people. Preachers are not calling it sin. They don't call sin, sin anymore. The only way a person can come to Christ is to become absolutely, totally empty of their self and recognize that they are sinful and they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as a result of that, they've got to come and humble themselves and say, Oh, Lord, have mercy upon me and give me They've got to, there has to be repentance involved there. This is why we're doing away with crosses in churches because we don't, we're so afraid of offending people. You and I have nothing... Uh, you know, you and I have nothing to uh, offer the Lord except the sinful state. And the first step to realize our depravity, because Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But if preachers in the pulpit are not preaching against certain sins, then how can we know? Too many have come by addition and not by submission. In other words, they come to Jesus and say, well, I'll just add that to my life. It'll make my life a little better. And realizing that they're lost and they're deprived and, and, and they need Christ in order to make it to heaven, but they need Christ in their life now. If I, you know, they say this, if you're a preacher and you don't preach the gospel, then what in the world are you preaching? But let me go another step farther. If you're a person who sits in the pews and you're sitting under preaching that does not offer Jesus Christ as the answer and, and, and the gospel being preached, then what are you sitting there for? Amen? 
And there's too many places like that. Too many have come by addition and not by submission. But while preachers are held accountable, as Ezekiel calls them being watchmen on the wall, yet those in the pew, many places, will not accept a preacher who preaches what the truth is. When Paul writes to Timothy that in the last days, he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3, 4, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. And they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And this is the truth in many places. They don't want to hear this. I've been in places where I've been accosted, or not accosted, but I've been uh, at the end of one of my sermons, a wife would come to me and let me know real quick that uh, what I was preaching they didn't like. But on the good news, more and more Christians are looking for places where the Word of God is taught. I hear this all the time. I hear it on the radio, I hear it on TV. That the people are looking for places where they can hear what the Scriptures say. So why are people leaving the church? In Matthew 13, Jesus does a parable about the enemy coming and, and uh, uh, had gone out and sowed the fields with wheat, and the enemy came and he sowed tares there. And the tares are unbelievers. He, he put the, and, 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 and here's the thing. Not everybody in the church is saved. I understand that. I wish they were. Jesus said in the last days there'll be many that will come and they'll say, Did I not do this for you? Did I not minister to you? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I do mighty miracles? And Jesus was saying simply that I never knew you. In other words, we never had a relationship. I, I, didn't, I didn't know you. And so we know that not everybody in the church is saved. But here comes the question in verse 28. They come to Jesus and they say this in this parable that he said, They ask, Do you want us to go gather up? Uh, gather up and, 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 and listen. He said, no, I don't want you to do that now because if you do, you'll uproot those wheat that are there and the tares will uproot the wheat. And that's what's happening. Churches that have discontent in them, churches that don't get along, churches that don't have real love. Oh, they say they have love. It's so superficial. But then they go about and talk about one another behind their back. That's not Christian love. It's too quiet to say that to because Jesus is listening to them. Amen? Not everybody, it, it, that's, it's not it. So, so there's tares. These are the people who are, are not walking in the Spirit. The, the Lord doesn't control the, the Lord doesn't control their mouth. So they say all kinds of things to people who are hurting in the body of Christ. And they have no discernment. That's another thing that really bothers me in the church today, that we have many people that rather than walking in the Spirit where they have discernment and they're talking to somebody, and here's this person that they're talking to, maybe a new Christian or somebody that's really going through some real stringent things, and, and they don't think, what should I say? Should I say this to this person? They just blurt it out. And they don't understand that they're actually destroying that person or they're hurting that person in some way. And that's, that's the thing. They're not walking in the Spirit. The, the Lord doesn't control their mouth, so they say all kinds of things to people who are hurting in the body of Christ, and they have no discernment. Another passage of Scripture tells us why people are leaving the church. It's also found in Matthew 13, and the parable of the sower and the seed. And he gives us four types of soil in there, and in that soil he gives, he gives us four of what happens when the seed is sown. There's some that fell by the wayside. Some fell in the stony places, and some fell among thorns and the good ground. By the wayside are those who are not serious. 
Oh, they take it. They're those people that can take it or leave it. You know, I, well, I really don't get involved or whatever. Those Peter talked about. And let me just say this to you. If you are a dad or you are a, a parent in your home and you can just take it and leave it and you get one of these ideas, of, well, my children, my children, they, I'm going to let them make up their own mind. And yes, they have to make up their own mind. But let me tell you something. You're their example and you're the one that has to lead them in such a way and such a way that essentially that whether or not they come to Christ or not come to Christ. You have to do that in your life. And God's going to call, call you on the carpet one of the days and ask you for that. You know, the wayside. Those Peter, Peter taught that, that Satan was like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who is it that he may devour? Those who don't have Bible study, those that don't have prayer, those that are not in church on regular attention, those people that are not walking with the Lord in such a way. That's who he's looking for. Then he tells us this, that there are those that, uh, that uh, when the... When they hear the word of God, the enemy comes and he takes the word away. There are those people that that come to you and they say, you know, I've really been, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts speaking to them and tell them, you need to get things right between you and I. And when he does that, they say, well, you know what, maybe I need to do this. So they go to a friend and they say, hey, when do you go to church? And they say, well, I go down to grace, whatever they'll say. Well, I tell you what, I've really been thinking about I need to get my life straightened out and go to the Lord. And all of a sudden, they say this. They say that, well, uh, well, man, come on, and I'll meet you at the front door. I'll meet you at the front door. You come to church, I'll meet you at the front door. So they show up at the front door, and when they do, uh, you, you're, you're, are you, they're supposed to be there, and you're looking for them, and they don't show up. Another week goes by, and they don't show up. Then you run into them at Kroger's, and you look at them, and you say, man, I thought you said you were going to come to church. Oh, I've been thinking about it, you know, and I, I, I just thought, maybe I was just going through the same thing. What happened to him? I tell you exactly what happened. Exactly what the Bible says it did. The enemy came and took what took the seed away. You can't get saved anytime you want to. You got to get saved when the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Amen. This is why. And and so those on the good ground, that seed goes in and it goes deep within inside, where the enemy cannot get to it. Then are those also that. They're grown in the thorn, the cares of the world. They got their self into a position, maybe financially or whatever, uh, problems that now they have to have a second job. And, and all these places that you go to to get that second job. And I, I'm not against work, man. I believe you ought to work. I believe God has appointed you to work. But you come and rather than putting God first, you're not trusting in Him. Do you go on that first thing you say, well, we need you to work at, uh, you need to be at work at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. But you got yourself into that position. You see what I'm saying? And so as a result of that, uh, uh, you know, so basically what they're saying, that my goals in life do not include the Lord. They're like Demas that Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. The problem with this is that when people live their life this way, then here comes problems, here comes difficulties, and come, and they don't know what to do. More than not, they end up blaming the Lord. So why? Well, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. You know, God doesn't do. I wanted that job. Somebody else got. But God doesn't answer my prayer, even though you don't know what God's doing in your life. And so you you move away from Him. This is why falling away is happening sometimes. You know, throughout the New Testament, we're told in these last days there will be great apostasy falling away. And so my concern is how. This will affect us. 
Now, one of the things that I really look at is found over in in uh, John chapter six. This is where Jesus fed five thousand people. He fed five thousand people, and that really he didn't feed five thousand people because there were five thousand men. That's the only one they count. He had five thousand men, and then it didn't include the women. And also didn't choose the children. And as a result of that, the women and the children, they didn't count. And so he really probably fed somewhere about 15,000 people. I guarantee you, Peter, James, and John look at that, and, they, and they're looking at the number of people, and they probably said this. Here's what they said. They said, you know what, man, we're pushing the truth, man. We're pushing the truth. Well, Lord, we got them going now. Look at what we got going on. Because people come to me all the time and say, how things have changed. And I say, you know, well, I know what the next question is going to be. How many of you got going on? Like, if you get a big crowd together, buddy, you're just really doing what the Lord wants you to do. No, let me tell you something. The devil can get a crowd together anytime he wants it. Amen? I guarantee he could fill up arena up if he wanted to. And so so they got all this, and, and then Jesus does something. What's he do? He, after he fed all these people, he preaches a message. And he preaches a message, and here's the message. He says, except you drink my blood and you eat my flesh, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, we know what he's talking about, because we celebrate the Lord's communion here every Sunday. He says, so except you drink my flesh, drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can't enter heaven. And Peter and James are like, oh, my Lord, don't do it. Well, not one of those kind of messages. You know what you're going to do. You're going to run everybody up. And guess what? The Bible tells me, it tells me over in verse 60, it says, Therefore many of the disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. And they said, Who can understand it? Who can understand it? Now you go on and you come down to verse 66, and it says in John, And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Because you see, when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of this book and you start doing what the Lord wants you to do, you're not going to please anybody. You know, Jesus even told us this, when all men shall speak well of you, beware. <laughs> Amen? So, he goes on to say, and after he does that, but you see the humanity of Jesus and how, how this world affected him because even though he was God, he was both man and God at the same time. But listen to what he says in verse 67 to the twelve. says, will you also leave me? Will you just treat me like I'm just somebody over here that's not worth anything? Will, will you just treat me like you don't even know me most of the time, even though I waited on you and, and, and wanted to, you, you told me you were going to meet with me, but you didn't meet with me? When you told me you were going to follow me and you didn't do it, will you, will you also leave me what he said? This is what we don't comprehend. 
because the Bible tells us that you and I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You don't know. Why is it that child hasn't come to Jesus yet? Do you think maybe it could possibly be because Satan has put a demon on their trail and tried to discourage them? say this in, in a language that Greek Hebrew. No, this is not Greek Hebrew. This is, this is hillbilly. Peter looks at him and he says, Lord, where can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. You tell me where you can go. People want to leave the church. They want to fall away. They want to leave. Where can you go and experience the words of eternal life? Because Peter is saying this. He's saying, Lord, I don't understand anything. I don't understand a cotton-picking thing about what you're saying about drinking your blood and eating your flesh. I don't understand that, Lord. But all we know is, Lord, when you speak, when you speak, There's something that your words do that goes inside me, and I've never experienced that before. And you won't experience anywhere in the world, anyplace else. That's why when they sent two soldiers to get Jesus one day, and they came back, and and the Pharisees asked, what did you get him? They said, no. Why didn't you get him? Because he never heard a man speak that. There's something about you. God's made you in such a way. He's made you in such a way that there's something in your spirit, there's something in your heart that only the words of God can go deep and speak to you like nobody else can speak to you. That it becomes a wealth of water inside you. It's like water being poured in the desert. All of a sudden, you experience it. the Word that tells us there's life after death. It's the Word that tells us, gives us comfort. It's the Word that tells us there's a meaning to life. It's the Word that encourages when we're down. It's the Word that gives us direction when we don't know which way to go. Uh, it's the Word that gives us light when it's, it's, it's absolute darkness and, and, and illuminated by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. When it's the darkness in your life, the Word. You may say, Lee, well, what about Jesus? Listen, you cannot separate His Word from Jesus. That's what John, when he opens up in the beginning, was the Word. That's who it is. That's who it is. So in this last days, it will not be easy, but where can you go? Where can your children go? If you point them or allow them to put the emphasis on any other thing, they'll be disappointed. Disappointed in Kentucky last night because they screwed up. It, uh, it looked like the basket peeled up or something. They couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a base hit. The question in these last days is what can take away our faith? It's not salvation. 
do because we walk away by faith. The author of Hebrews answers this question, and he quotes the Old Testament over in chapter 3 of Hebrews, and, and he says the focus is on the wavering faith of Israel under Moses. He says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, he thinks, here's what he's telling you to do this morning. Consider, consider, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Consider the high priest of your confession. Consider him. Consider him. The gospel of Christ is liberating and substantial, devastating through the equilibrium and the subversion to our flesh that we can't escape the gospel grip. Something that you and I could never accomplish on our own. Martin Luther once said he had to preach the gospel of grace to himself every day because he forgot it every day. Second Peter 1 9 says, For he who lacks these things is short sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his own sins. like that there is no hope. I don't listen to the news because it's so depressing. Let me give you some good news. Let me tell you what it says over in John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Listen to some of these verses if you want some hope. Listen to this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our trust in Him, who, who is He who has overcome the world, but He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John 16, 33, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Isaiah 41, 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Hebrews 13, 5, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalms 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength and my life. Of whom shall be afraid? 1 John 4, 4. You are the God of my... You are, if you, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Uh, Psalms 46, 1. God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Uh, Romans 8, 37, Yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 18, 1, Then He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You want more? I can give you more if you want it. going to have people that you're close to that are going to leave the faith. It's going to happen. Do you 
need to be grounded in the faith. You need to be discerned in those things. Realize that you cannot find this any other place. Realize that it's only in Christ that this could happen. Only in Christ. I want to show you something before I close this morning.
jazz. I forget what's where the another team. Uh, but he also he was the only white guy that was offered a deal with the Harlem Globetrotters. And you say this guy is so tall. Why? I want to show you a, a clip of his testimony. And this is Roy Firestone. That tells you how long. This is like 1986. But I want you to tell you. You, know, you think, boy, he had it all. And this is what we're doing. Too many of us are seeking after things that will disappoint us. I want you to listen back to him. Admired by many for his basketball talent, Pete Maravich could not escape controversy. He became quite introspective for a while, striving for personal success and searching for his own spirituality.
Get that point across. He died for you. And when it drove his faith, he knew there was going to come a time in your life where you just said, Lord, I I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know what I go. Lord, I, I don't know what I even want to live, Lord. Maybe already saved, but you know what? Somewhere along the line, the load shifted, and rather than him, you hearing Jesus say, "Come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and, and, and I will give you rest." Learn of me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Maybe, maybe it did. Maybe that load shifted, and all of a sudden you said, "Lord, I'll take it." And you went on because you wanted to just live how life how you wanted to, and now that load is just pushing you down. 